Welcome to Pilot Boys episode 86. Today, V and I are going to talk about cancel culture. We're going to talk about masks, especially at the airports as we're flying around. Talk about the Girl Scouts and how the cookie sales may not have hit the mark this year. The NBA playoffs, the injuries that have been going on and the craziness that's going on as we're approaching the finals and in both conferences, a little bit of UFC and a little bit of hating on, you know, good old Michigan up north. Uh, And our deep dive today is about how politics is just a distraction. So you should stop wasting time on it. And you know what? Maybe this podcast is just a distraction. Maybe you can find out as you listen to this episode. Buckle up and get ready because the Pilot Boys are taking off. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you will get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Interesting week this past week, Partha. A lot going on. Yeah, pretty interesting week. Busy for both of us. I think we've both been kind of just swamped, honestly. I know, man. A lot of responsibility, but yeah. If a week goes where I don't really get to call you, like I, I called, I call V like a couple times a week. I, I forgot to like talk to you for like five days. Yeah, because I was so immersed, and I know you were too, because I didn't hear from you. And then I looked up, and it was yesterday, and I was like, "Damn! Like I need to talk to V. I don't even know what's going on with them." I know, I know. It was a good catch up, but sometimes those are good because then we have a lot of good, good stuff to share. So yeah, absolutely. We got we got all the tea to spill today. Yeah, man. Look, <laughs> I know you know what this is. Oh my god, dude! There's yeah. some limka that V is flashing in front of the camera. It's an Indian drink. Had a craving, man. Had a craving, <laughs> so had to get it. That is funny. Your uh, your brownness is showing. Yeah, this is way better than Sprite, by the way. I actually have never had Limka. You've never had Limka? No, I'm a thumbs up kind of guy. And for our listeners, thumbs up is like a way better version of Coca-Cola. Yeah, it's like that stuff will wake you up and pick you up very quickly, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When when they buy the they'll buy the little bottles in India, but then they bring out these little cups that are like small, like glass cups that are, you know, maybe four inches tall. Yeah. Fill that with the thumbs up and that's what you sip out of. It's it's hilarious, man. It's it's (laughs) gives you a great perspective on uh on valuing things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually, right? Yeah. Man. Interesting story this morning, man. I was up, I was up in enemy territory this morning, oh. uh, in Ann Arbor. Funny story, of course. Uh, <laughs> so I dropped, I dropped my uh, my parents off. My mom seeing the doctor, nothing serious, um, but just seeing a specialist up there because it's close, close to them. And uh, <laughs> I parked the car in the parking garage, and I get out. They wouldn't. Michigan is crazy. They only allowed two people in the medical office. And they weren't going to let me in. So I had to park the car. I had to take a shit. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, this can't be too complicated. I walk out of the garage. There's a McDonald's and a gas station right in front of me. Go to the McDonald's. The door is locked. They are not open to the public yet in Michigan. Uh, Go to the gas station. Their bathroom is locked or, or not accessible to the public. I'm like, wow, this is serious now. So I walked to Starbucks. They said that their bathroom is also temporarily closed. Walked to another gas station. So I did about a three-mile trek to find Damn. a bathroom. Finally, I got to a residence inn. 
um, and the the nice people there let me use lose use their lobby bathroom. Um, but now I'm starting to understand why so many people are kind of upset with the Michigan governor. It's like, okay, uh, I understand restrictions, but uh, it makes it pretty hard to survive. <laughs> yeah, dude, honestly, man. I mean, today is the day that uh, mask mandates have finally stopped being a thing. Um, you know, I probably get in a little trouble for saying this, but I have not been wearing a mask for months now. So, you know, not a big change in my life, but it is nice to see people starting to get a little reasonable with, uh, with uh, you know, how, how everything is going in the world, especially in the States with so many people vaccinated. And, you know, when you're already vaccinated, it's, it's a much safer situation. Just to give people context on why Arthur doesn't wear a mask, he spends about 95% of his time working room by himself working so and i'm vaccinated <laughs> and he's vaccinated so for months we always have to give the people the context so yeah <laughs> straight up but also fuck mass man like why do we even do that fuck well that. i mean if people would get vaccinated um i think that would solve a lot of problems right you don't want to wear a mask get vaccinated yeah it's uh, it's pretty easy yeah honestly fairly yeah. easy yeah it's free they're giving yeah. away free weed if you get vaccinated and free Washington. beer free weed pretty weed good. In america pretty isn't good. it crazy that the free weed thing is hilarious right yeah yeah and then the free weed <laughs> just you think about the number of people who are sitting in prisons right now for selling a little weed and they're like yeah. But if you get vaccinated, we'll give it to you for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. maybe that should be the punishment me. if you're caught with caught with weed federally, is they just give you the vaccine. <laughs> Either get uh, vaccinated or go to prison. Which one? That would be the uh that would be the rare case in which our government actually, you know, cared about people and did everything to help them. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to it eventually. That's our deep dive. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we got some fun headlines today. Um, cancel culture, man. Kay Hart went in on it. Kevin Hart, our beloved comedian who unfortunately was canceled pretty hard and lost Multiple his jobs. Job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lost a, a couple jobs out of it. Yeah. What'd you think about that? I mean, obviously, you know that he's coming from a perspective of anger and resentment on based on the impact that it's had on him personally but i think there was uh there were some points that he made that were very very um valid there is a understanding of of the problem that i have with cancel culture is that it's the cancellation of people and if we're living in a society i think you're supposed to not cancel but if you want to have a productive society as opposed to canceling someone perhaps educating them on their issues or their errors first before canceling them, I think is, uh, is, is useful. Um, especially if you don't have somebody who's a repeat offender, who's made multiple mistakes, or if you find something or a mistake someone made 10 to 12 to 15 years ago on their Twitter feed, and you want to cancel them for that, that's where this thing, you know, you and I have this conversation a lot. It just feels like we're very quick to judgment and quick to reaction without thinking about consequences um, for everyone that's potentially involved in these scenarios. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I to I totally agree with that. You with cancel culture in general too. It's like who's doing the canceling? It's people who usually I don't I don't really give a give a crap what they say. So that's the other part of cancel culture is that there was a period of time where it became mainstream, but it, I think it shifted away from mainstream now. So it doesn't really matter who's getting canceled anymore. You know what I mean? Because there's no. no effect. No, it doesn't. And then also it's like uh, it's going into realms. And one of the things that Kevin, Kevin Hart said is that, look, the punishment for me saying something that's, that's distasteful People aren't going to laugh. I don't want people not to laugh when I make a joke. So the goal for me is not to 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 offend people or get canceled. But if I make a bad joke, it's, I'm going to pay the price because people aren't going to laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that gives a, it, yeah. it tells you, like, why would my intention be to offend and make people not laugh? You know, he, but I he got you know. canceled for jokes that were funny in the year that he made them. And are yep. not funny anymore now. And that's yes. okay. Yep. You know, yep. have you ever watched uh, um, The Hangover? Yes, I have. Yeah. If you watch it in 2021 and you're sensitive, you're not going to be a happy camper. Yeah, you're not. So. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff there that crosses the line in how we interact in today's society. But that's how we change. You know, it's yeah. like. That that's like the real moral of the story. Whenever you look at people who go through that, it's like everyone's growing, everyone's changing, everyone's evolving. You can't you can't pick an arbitrary moment in someone's life and define them by that when they're an evolving person. You definitely can't do that. And I think also there is a there's no just think about what is the goal of canceling someone, right? Like. Yes, Harvey Weinstein deserves to be canceled, right? Like, that's clear. We all know <laughs> that that's a guy that deserves to be canceled. But there are other situations where you say, okay, this person, do we really cancel someone based on this and ruin their entire career, their entire public image? Does that help society or does that hurt society, right? Like, the the canceling itself is like it's just like so react it's knee jerk right it's like yeah there's no thought put into the idea of canceling it's just immediate like no thought no processing just they said something okay cancel them like yeah most reactionary things are usually not very effective no they're not yeah so uh in other news people are traveling again TSA says that the airport saw 2 million passengers for the first time since the pandemic started. Was that this last month? That was this last week. This last week? Last uh, Friday's data. And I will be in that group tomorrow. I'm venturing Head off to New York. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see New York. It's back open, but I don't know. You'll, you'll be able to tell us if it's really back open. Dude, it's nuts. Yeah, it's I'm sure nuts. people are pent up pent up out there i mean this is this is a, a good sign right yeah. like people traveling seeing the world exploring is very good now you know public service announcement if you are going through the airports behave yourselves it's not a place to highlight your political views and create controversy or conflict it's a place that you go to travel from one place to another so <laughs> do that very safely you know this isn't a place to stand up on your soapbox just behave yourselves 
that treat, is the truth. Treat people with respect um, and just get to where you're trying to go. Yeah, that is I mean, I have to say that's the that. absolute truth. You know, it's funny. It's like I think about the cell phone thing when I think about how mass are now with especially with planes. Right. And it's like, wouldn't you rather get to where you're going than make your stand? Yeah, you know, that's, that's the takeaway. If if getting to where you're going is less important than making your stand, then make your stand. Do what you need to do. It's amazing but, to me that someone would spend, you know, on average, maybe 250 to 500 dollars on an airline ticket and decide, hey. I'd rather get thrown off the plane and lose that money than not make a stand like you just said. It's just never ceases to amaze me how emotions uh can make people make bad judgments 100 percent, man and look like i don't know i i do this you know and you know what fuck it i will advocate for it when i am in the terminals i just find a corner take my mask off read a book quietly where i have space from people no one's gonna get upset by me and i can actually breathe that's a yeah. nice nice situation for me and it's like the people who try to draw attention to the fact that they're breaking a rule are the ones who are going to get in trouble. Like you really have to ask yourself, like, am I, is this a rule that I'm frustrated by because it's inconvenient or do I just want attention? Right. Yeah. That's like the other side of it. That, that is what we are suffering from more than anything is just everybody wants attention all the time, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the planes too, you know, people are pretty chill. The air cycles really quickly on planes as well. It's like the safest place you can be. So there's not much consequence for anything you might want to do on there. But the question is just like, if you get asked, just follow the rules. You know what I mean? Like there's no issue. Yeah. I mean, you are flying on someone else's airlines. You do not own the airline. They set the rules and guidelines. If you don't want to follow them, don't fucking fly. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you got to take a take a car then. <laughs> a cross country road trip to New York would be brutal. It would be, but if you don't want to wear a mask, there's your solution right there. Yeah, yeah, straight <laughs> up. And I think that I think that uh, if you wear the, can't you wear the face shield? Isn't that more comfortable as well? You can wear the face shield, but you do need to have uh, uh, something that covers, yeah, your nose. Yeah, and your mouth. the face shield comes all the way down, right? Yeah, no. yeah. So that's an alternative if you don't want to wear the wear the mask on your face. I should honestly look into that. Yeah, wear your mask, man. Please wear your mask on the plane. Yeah, I'll be one of those guys. I don't want to. I don't want to read about. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, no <laughs> lie. I'm probably gonna take it off once I get in my window seat. I'm gonna pop it off and fall asleep immediately. Yeah, and then the flight attendant will kindly tell you to put it back on. Just leave it on, man. It is and then once serious. they tell me to put it on, I'll leave, I'll put it, it on. It's not that serious, man. Just keep your mask on. It's not that hard. I, I don't get I'm it. One hundred percent not gonna do that. It's why? Just, it's just why like, would you not? Why would you do? Why would you take take that stand when you have a nice mask? It's breathable. You know, it just pulls and, on my ears, bro. I got big ears. Get, you know, get a different type of mask then. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna spend a, spend a dollar on a mask. Well, then, then yeah. I'll live with my consequence. Yeah, I'll get in no. trouble probably once, maybe twice, and then I'll stop and follow the rules. But if I don't get in trouble, then I'll live my life happily. Again, Partha is vaccinated. He is. Uh... Partha doesn't give a fuck about anything right now. <laughs> is, is where my, yeah, where my yeah, head's at. He, he's vaccinated. <laughs> so um, if you are not vaccinated and you are taking this type of stand, then 
I would probably be a little, little bit harder on you, but I'm going to be hard on him too. Wear your mask, man. You know, it's interesting because it's like genuinely, even the masks were reported before the pandemic as not being effective for preventing pickup of the disease, right? Just if you're sick, preventing you from spreading it. Yes. And then it changed. All of a sudden, everyone's like, everyone needs the word in case you have it. And there became this like fear that we were all carrying this deadly disease all the time. And you know, statistically, that's just not true. Right? Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But one thing that I don't understand about our society and our culture specifically in America is if you fear an illness, right, in most Asian countries, Japan, Korea, mask wearing culture has been normal in public places. Totally normal. Totally normal. No one's sitting there like dying on this, this, oh, you are impeding on my freedoms and liberties. It's like, look, it's good for society. I'm not sure, but if, if I'm told that this, this may help prevent this disease from spreading or a disease from spreading, I'm going to follow the rules. I just don't get this, this need to just break every rule that big brother supposedly is setting on us. Sometimes they are doing what's best for society and culture. If for example, in Japan, the, uh, the disease, they're very close to China. The disease did not spread the same way it spread in the United States because people do not want to follow any guidelines, any rules. They don't want to follow social distancing. If they feel sick, they'll still fly on a plane. It's just, it, it just is uh, is mind-boggling, man. It's, these are simple things that we have to do. For sure. Um, I mean, yeah, things that could have been implemented in the first month of the disease. But, you know, in today's day and age, like, especially in 2021, I have a deep-seated distrust of all governments. So <laughs> anything that anything I'm told to do, I don't do. So just to play the devil's advocate here, the other side of it is that most of the mask wearing in Asia is actually pollution related. It's not disease related, at least to my understanding from the people I've spoken to, you know, and mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, tweet me, let me know. Yeah. Don't tweet me, tweet the podcast because I don't have a Twitter. Let us know. But yeah, I'm open to being wrong on this. I mean, pollution is a, is, Pollu is a part of it. That's an issue. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a big issue for, you know, what you inhale, especially overseas, like in, in my experience in China, that's, that's what I've seen the most. You should probably be wearing a mask in LA then, brother. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's, that's the argument, right? It's like, yeah. if I wear it in Shanghai, if I were to wear it in, you know, Beijing or Shenzhen, I should wear it in LA. But like, yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like risk tolerance. And like, what are you open to? Like, I smoke weed. So I'm not pressed about what, what's in the atmosphere. Like, I'm, I'm choosing a worse option for myself. If I, if I were to, like want to avoid pollution then i should just not smoke weed right if i want to avoid that effect on my lungs that's a yeah. very easy solution i can implement in my life if that was something that i prioritize more and it's probably something i will change in my life at some point in the next you know couple of years here but i think the same thing with with the mass stuff too is like that's one part of it but like health is a multifaceted thing. It's about sleep quality, which I measure for myself and track every single day. I make sure I hit my thresholds. I make sure I have, now I quantify my deep sleep and REM sleep using an aura ring. So I know actually what's happening. I, I look at my diet every single day. I take supplements in terms of vitamin C, in terms of like things that boost the immune system. 
a large portion of my diet is full of anti-inflammatories, which are great if you're fighting off illnesses. So there's all of these other things that are as important as mask wearing, if not far more important, because mask wearing is like a band-aid. It's like this is the way our healthcare system works in the States is every problem we solve by like, well, what's the last possible thing we could do once you already have it to prevent someone else from getting it? And it's like you've got to control for these things, right? Because it does take a great amount of discipline and, and care to, to make those type of changes in your life. And most of the population isn't taking on that level of care or self-care to make sure they're healthy. That's why we have so many diseases in this country. So that's why it's like the minimum thing that they can ask people to do. Um, and we still can't follow that, right? Like this, if you're is, not- this is me saying why I don't care about wearing a mask, yeah. right? It's not about whether you should follow policy or not follow policy. It's about me choosing for myself that the recommended guideline isn't effective or valuable for me given the 9 million given, other things I do in my life. Yeah, given given what you do. But what what, what happens is that people who don't care... <laughs> are the issue. It's not like if you're in public, you're not going to go cough on somebody. You're not going to invade somebody six feet of space. You're not going to do any of those other things. hundred um, percent, nor should that, you. Right. And I think yeah. that's the overall point, right? Is like yeah. when it comes to these aspects of like, everyone wants to talk about personal responsibility with the mask wearing, right? If you want the ability to choose whether you wear it or don't wear it, it comes with the courtesy of understanding other people's limitations and making sure that if you choose not to follow a rule that you avoid people who are at risk that you you keep physical distance like that's a personal responsibility side of it as well so you know when i'm talking about you know half joking but half real about not wearing a mask or breaking whatever rules it's it's not that i'm intentionally trying to hurt people it's that i'm making a decision based on my personal comfort because i have a lot of trust. I have not been sick in years. Not the yeah. vaccine was the first time I felt under the weather in the last two and a half years. You know what I mean? So it's like knowing that about my body and how well I take care of myself. I also don't feel it necessary at all to wear a mask. And I feel I could be exposed to, you know, pretty much any illness and, and be totally fine just because of my age and, and how I take care of myself. But I'm not going to put myself near other people who are at risk. It's just yeah like that comes with it. That's like part of being a person. It's like you want the agency, you want the re- the ability to make your own decisions that comes with responsibility. It's it's not just I think that's like maybe the underscore of America, right? It's like mm-hmm. one side wants freedom, the other side is like trying to overstate like and legalize the responsibility and like mandate it. But overall, we all have to make the conscious decision together that To have freedom, we must demonstrate the qualities of being responsible for our society and for others and trying to maintain a sustainable way of life for everybody. Like that is part of being a human here. Yeah. And and I think the other underlying thing is it's a reminder of how poorly we educate our population in this country, right? Like the reason that we're seeing a a lot of what we're seeing in society with this pandemic it's exposing a lot of the truth of America. There's a reason why people distrust. It's also because of the type of media. There is no objective media. If you 
if you consume Fox News, they're telling you the opposite of what they're telling you. And we'll get into this more later. But that's that's also the underlying issue here is that we have distrust and also we poorly educate our society. For example, you know, it's funny. I, I posted this on my Instagram story a couple of weeks ago. They were running a sale on hand sanitizer and soap because they're not selling it anymore. And it's like you were supposed to wash your hands and, and be clean with or without this pandemic. That's the responsible thing to do. But that is a sign that that's not really something that's embraced in our society. And that, to me, is poor education more than it is bad policing. Yeah. And from a health standpoint, we also live in an overly sanitized society. That's why we're so vulnerable to these things. Like the amount of hand washing that's in our culture, like it's not good. Don't carry hand sanitizer around in regular life. Like as this thing is fading, it's not good to sanitize every day. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, there's germophobia and you understand that. But I think at the end of the day, it's like there's also like if wash your hands. You know, wash your hands every once in a while. Like, yeah, it's not about being it, there's that issue. And then there's people who freaking just do not care. You know what I mean? Um, but there, the thing with, you know, just to expand deeper down the over sanitization, there's a lot of good bacteria on your body that yeah, takes care is. of you. When we over sanitize, we end up killing that good bacteria. And when there's bad bacteria, it both forms can mutate when you're killing out 99.9% of what's left on your hand. So what you create are just strains of bacteria that are resistant to your sanitizer. And, you know, that could be very dangerous for you. Yeah. And I'm speaking on this from perspective of somebody who's not overly germophobic because of how much time I've spent in India. And <laughs> that, Yeah, that'll get rid of that. <laughs> that'll get rid of it. It's just a matter of, like, just be clean. Right? Yeah. That, that's not about... Just know what you need to do to be clean. It doesn't mean you have to wash your hands 30 times a day, but wash your hands a few times a day. You yeah. know what I mean? Just Especially after using the restroom. That's the one of the large causes of, of disease and death in third world countries is the fecal contamination. Yeah. Food. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a major problem. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, we've gotten quite derailed. Let's, let's bring it yeah. back. Let's bring um, it back. Bring it back to the NBA playoffs, maybe. Woo! Watch the Suns complete a little bit of a sweep this week. That was exciting. Yeah, it was. I mean, Jokic didn't deserve to be sent out of that game. You know? Yeah. And John Morant said the NBA is getting too soft, and I agree with him. Um, I'm glad a young guy sees it. Sees There's it foul calls way. every two seconds. It's, yeah, like, it's, unwatchable. It's It's unfortunate. And then also, I mean... Let's give Denver credit. They are a very, very good team. Jokic did deserve the MVP, but without they, their second best player, by yeah, the way, without no, their Jamal second Murray. best player, they, 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 they gave. But the Suns are just operating at a different level um, in terms of pure, beautiful basketball to watch. The Suns uh, look like a championship team this year. Yeah, they do. They do. And you know, for me as a basketball kind of like nerd, I really want to see Chris Paul get a championship because I don't feel like he's properly appreciated as an all-time great, specifically at the point guard position, you know, and I'll, I'll keep saying this throughout the playoffs, but that's just the, just the truth. The guy is, it's like kind of like when you watch Mayweather box, right? Like 
it's so good that it's kind of boring at times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chris Paul is definitely that. And it's, uh, and I just hope that uh, he gets this, this championship because he deserves it. And I'm glad he's on a team with players and a culture that embraces um, the way he goes about doing things. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, the other story of the playoffs has been that the incredible injuries that have been just plaguing every team. So, um, you know, on, on Jamal Murray, we mentioned Donovan Mitchell has been dealing with an ankle injury, which has been, you know, evident despite him scoring 30 points again yesterday. Yeah. It's been evident watching him play that there's a limp that happens every now and then, which is, you know, tough to see. You've got um, on the on Brooklyn, Kyrie and James Harden are both out. I mean, like every team has had a star here or there that's gotten injured. And I think what's interesting is you're seeing a couple teams like the Clippers and the Suns. Suns kind of like set the tone by knocking the Lakers out early. It's not something people do is knock out LeBron. But I feel like the Clippers just kind of woke up and they were like, wait a second, like we have a chance to win. Like Brooklyn is totally injured. They might lose to... Uh, I forget uh, the Bucks. They might lose to the Bucks in this series if Kyrie and Harden don't come back. Giannis is playing like a beast. Uh, like I heard Kawhi in his interview after they beat um, the Jazz yesterday, saying, "Yeah, I don't care about getting to the Western Conference Finals. I, I'm trying to win a championship." I haven't seen Kawhi fired up yet in the last two years. This is the first time I've seen him playing hard as hard as he is. He's he's playing on a different level right now, and he is fired up. I think Paul George for the first time realized that LeBron's not going to knock him out of the playoffs again. And he's playing well. You know I mean, what I mean? The, the issue with the Clippers is not Kawhi Leonard. I know it's easy to, it's never been Kawhi Leonard. God gives his effort. He gets the job done pretty much every night. The issue has been coaching and Paul George. Yeah. You know, I mean, Doc Rivers lost a three, one lead last, <laughs> last year. Um, and Paul George has got a history of, not stepping up and earning that super max conference contract in meaningful games in the playoffs. And, you know, what happens with the Clippers is, is going to be that I do think that the Clippers with Kawhi at his best, if the rest of the team plays good, they can beat the Utah jazz, especially without Conley. But if, George doesn't step up, then they're an average, below average team. It's yeah. the way their team is structured, you know? And with the Brooklyn situation, it's always been that. Like, are they going to stay healthy? And throughout, they I think they've only played eight games with all three of them on the court at the same time. Um, and you saw in the second half of that game that no matter how good Kevin Durant is, that when you've got three Supermax players and two of them are out, it significantly weakens the quality of team you put on the court. And, you know, maybe maybe Steve Nash puts on a jersey and uh, and runs the point for him in game five. Yeah, seriously. It's definitely interesting to see that happen. But, um, you know, we talked about it last week. Kevin Durant is, is still playing some of the best basketball we've ever seen. So he, he still has an opportunity to close this out is the his, This series. is his LeBron moment, right? Like yeah. When... when Everybody went down, and uh, and and LeBron took over. He kept the, he kept the Cavs com- competitive, and yeah. not one but two finals. So. Yeah, Katie clearly looks like he can do that this year. So we'll have to see. And stay tuned, Dennis. It's, it's an exciting playoffs where I think for the first time in maybe a decade plus, 
we don't know who's going to win. Yeah, I love the NBA right now. And if you've tuned out and aren't watching, uh, you're missing. You're missing a great era of, of, of players. The emergence of a new generation of stars. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about fighting. Some boxing happened this weekend. Some UFC happened this weekend. V, you want to you fill this in? I know you're a lot more dialed into these guys than me. I'm not super dialed into UFC. I just just advocate it because I'm a big fan of of my friend Audi uh, Audi, who's an agent for many of these guys, and he represents Conor McGregor and the new young star in the UFC who I actually got to see fight this weekend for probably the second time, Israel Adesanya, um, and he defended his title again. He's um, sick, dude. Yeah, I mean, the guys, I talk to people who really watch UFC and understand it, as well as, like, boxers. And one thing, even though I don't watch it because it's a little bit too gruesome for me, um, but the type of skill that these guys have to have and fearlessness that they have to have in that octagon is it's pretty amazing, man. And, and yeah. the difference between winning and losing is is very, very slim. Right. Yeah. It's 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 pretty crazy to watch. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about last week like that um, Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul fight, just underscoring like what a real professional can do in the ring. Yeah. Someone who's who's so talented. And the other part of it that really doesn't get enough credit. And, you know, we, we didn't talk about this last week or so I want to bring it up is like the ability to take a hit in the head and keep fighting. But it's a different skill set. And once you get that contact to be able to find some presence of mind to continue is uh, an unbelievable talent. And I think that's something that makes some of these great fighters stand out is how on mission they stay despite the beating that their physical body may take during during the fight. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the critics of the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather type fights, it's funny because a lot of people have been very critical of Floyd Mayweather throughout his boxing career because he isn't entertaining enough or he does, he doesn't get into these slug fests. The goal is to not get hit. That's the skill of boxing to not get hit and hit, right? It's not just yeah. about sitting in the center of the ring and slugging it out. And so it's always funny to me when some boxing fans or casual boxing fans will criticize the UFC or criticize some of these exhibitions, but then when it comes to their own sport, they won't appreciate a guy who really executes the true skill and sweet science of the sport, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same criticism that uh, Shakur Stevenson, the, the young star who, you know, I peg as the next Mayweather um, is, is facing right now too. It's like people are looking for him to knock out everyone. He didn't get a knockout in this last fight, but if you watch the fight, it was perfect technical execution from every round. He won every single round in that fight, and it wasn't close, you know? And so it's like, which way do you want it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the big thing is, like, we talk about sports as entertainment all the time, right? But yeah. you lose entertainment value when you see mastery on the court yeah. for, for the untrained <laughs> eye. Let's yeah. just put that there. Because if you, if you really watch a lot of sports, 
then it's the boring moments for most people that are the most interesting for you. It's the small adjustments. It's the mental game that's happening. Yeah. And the tough part about watching something on TV is that you don't have an ability to know what's happening in the coach's heads, what's happening strategically. And oftentimes you don't have like, if it's a field sport, you don't have a high, high enough perspective in how the camera angles are shot to actually see the strategy of the game un- unfolding, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a part of it that, you know, unfortunately it's, it, it's lost in the transition to television. You could really only get it if you're in person and up close, but that's a part of sport that I think is just fascinating. Like seeing a guy like Floyd be able to completely manage the flow of a fight regardless <laughs> of his opponent. And pick him up <laughs> yeah, without us even noticing, right? That's pretty crazy. Just completely in command of every moment. Like that's, you know, we, we just talked about NBA too. Like there's players that can do that in games that can just own the flow of a game. Yeah. But that's what separates the good from the great in anything is you have people who are great at what they do. And then you have people who are great at managing the flow of how things work. Like the same thing happens in business. You have people that are great at, you know, one part of a business or several parts of a business, but the true greats build community and move you know, huge volumes of people and, and create action in society. Yep. Totally yeah. different games. Very, very, very different. This is a, the, the, the next subject is one that was, that I found very interesting. You know, it's, uh, the Girl Scouts did not sell out of cookies this year. I kind of believe that by the way, bought some, bought three boxes over here. Nice. Yeah. How many have you finished? Um, I have eaten them all. They were all Thin Mints. And they went fast. Oh, okay. <laughs> a, thin Mints and Samoas are are my are my weakness. Yeah. Uh, what do you get? Just the those Samo- two? Yeah. The Samoas and the Thin Mints. You know, yeah. I'll eat some of the other ones, but those are the ones that I buy. For those but of you it, out there, put the Thin Mints in the freezer. Before oh, yeah. That's, that's always... You're, so you're acting like you discovered something new with that one. <laughs> yeah, just in case, you know? Just in case. Yeah, if you don't know, now you know, right? Yeah. Um, but it's pretty amazing, you know, the Girl Scouts. I, I, the reason this article is interesting to me is to just understand. Like, I think they sell them for like a three-month period every year. Um, and they typically sell, I think, uh, the data was just unbelievable to me. I think they sell like... 800 mil they do 800 million dollars in revenue a wow. year typically wow um and they sell i think 2 million boxes over a 3 month period let me uh let me make sure that i'm i'm right on that <laughs> yeah that's that's it you know so it's to to not sell 15 million you it's just it's a good case study in business right like many of these um, Girl Scout troops rely on this this money to fund their activities, and now they're struggling because they didn't meet that threshold. Obviously, a lot of this has to do with the pandemic. Not able to sit in front of a grocery store and sell them. They're, they're, the opportunities they had to sell um, impacted the business, right? Totally. And so totally. it's an extension of what many businesses face this year, right? It's like these are the problems how are you going to minimize or mitigate the damage, right? And yeah. 
That's you know, a- it's a good it's a good macro point because it's it's this is a great example, and every business is going through some level of this. To your point, B, and it's less about people making money within their sector. Like this is the thing that frustrates me about business people. Everyone cares so much about their revenue, their growth. And it's like, there's a bigger thing going on. Every single business is part of what contributes to the value of society, how we manage Mm -hmm. productivity, commerce, trade, how we create the lives that we want to live, how we have things like internet, how we have like future products coming out, new cars, everything. But that only happens when all of these businesses collectively help facilitate so many people through something like a pandemic. And this pandemic has been very, very difficult despite what's happening in the stock market on businesses. And it's not been reflected in the stock market what businesses are dealing with. And I could tell you that firsthand because just the shipping considerations of what's going on have been extremely crazy and difficult. And we're seeing people get wildly rich during the pandemic on Bitcoin or GameStop or AMC or on on all of these stocks. But don't let that distract you from the fact that most businesses are struggling. Most businesses are having a tough time and, you know, all of them have to find a way to get from where they are to the other side of this period of time and there's just there's more to life than just making money, working a job or even building a company successfully. Like there's a societal role that you take that's important to help our entire society get through these world events that really threaten humanity. Yeah. And a shout out to all the young girls out there because to go from 200 million to only losing 15 million boxes, you know, and doing 185, that means that you were very creative and innovative in your approach. And maybe a little e-commerce action, little little e-commerce action going on. Uh, (laughs) Just, just shout out to all you young, innovative girls out there. Uh, selling those cookies i always support because i think it's it's a great it's a great lesson for for young kids to learn about business to actually sell things and learn to make money and how to strategize to make money yeah heck yeah um do we talk about michigan we can talk about this (laughs) stupid state so 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 dumb up there tried to ban the color red yeah, I mean, it's it's like Harbaugh is what in year eight, and he's like, oh, maybe I should address this this Ohio State thing. And so I think they've just been reading all the the articles about how Ohio State, you know, Urban Meyer famously bans blue. Like I've been to practices, and if you're wearing blue, he'll make you change your shirt, any shade of blue. And I've seen him do it, you know. <laughs> so this is something that's a, that the rivalry is something that Ohio State takes very seriously all year long. Michigan's been getting their ass whooped for two decades. And suddenly a light went on with Harbaugh where he's like, okay, let's just copy try to copy everything that Ohio State is doing. Meanwhile, Ohio State is on to the next step or the next phase. And it's just a reflection of how much of a clown this guy is. Like he's just, I don't know how he still has a job. Um, despite his results, not just against Ohio State, but against top 25 teams. But as Ohio State fans, we are very happy that he got a contract extension and they really love being uh, middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, uh, the first practice after that, a kid was wearing red shoes. So maybe you should enforce your rules a little bit better too, Jim. (laughs) 
They got to get a W first in anything. <laughs> in um, you know, let's take a let's take a quick break. We have a deep dive coming up after the break. It's about how politics is a distraction. Don't waste your time on it. You know, maybe you wasted some of your time listening to us talk about politics earlier, but we'll tell you why you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Be right back. Show the Pilot Boy some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a Pilot Boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture wicking materials and built-in strike padding. So every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. The deep dive section of episode 86 about how politics is a distraction and you need to stop wasting time on it. Yes. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot, um, especially recently, is how to optimize your mental health and be in a state of happiness. And part of the reason, Partha and I talk about this a lot in terms of understanding the climate that we're in, the divisive society that we're in, and how many people around us are engaged in politics, and how many people are dug into positions that are at completely polar opposites of each other, and the damage that it's having on our society and our ability to work together and and move forward together. And um, this is a deep dive that because I didn't want to just talk about it, I actually wanted to dig into it and then pull up some data to kind of support our claims. And some of the things that I found, it's kind of fun to do this research, Partha. Okay. Some of the things that I found were pretty amazing. Um, for example, in 1958, a poll was done where 33% of parents who are Democrats wanted their kids to marry a Democrat. It mattered to them, right? 25% of parents who are Republican wanted their kid to marry a Republican. In 2016, those numbers rose to 60 and 63%. Oh, wow. And probably even higher now in 2021. That was 2016, right? Um one out of five Americans have stopped talking to a friend or family member because of the 2016 election. Wow. Uh, 2012 Fairleigh Dickinson University study found that those watching the most partisan news channels on the, on the left and right were far less knowledgeable on world events than those who consume no news at all. <laughs> Dutch researchers found that well-being declined 6.1% for each additional hard 
polarizing news program watched a week. And finally, those who are very interested in politics also have about an eight percentage point more likelihood to be not very happy with life than those who don't consume any news at all, political news at all. Wow. Wow. There's more data. We'll get into it, but I wanted to pause there. This is a lot, right? Let's just let's just jump in for a second, okay? This shows a trend of people leaning deeper into their political beliefs as a way of establishing identity, right? Yes. But let's just take a step back and recognize what else happened. Television happened. Radio happened. Mm-hmm. Internet happened. It's yes. easier internet to... Happened. Let's internet read. happened. Yes. Say that a few times. <laughs> yes. It's easier to fall into a category. But here's the problem. The problem with Democrats... This is a clip. This is a clip right now, what I'm about to say. The problem with Democrats is they are so, so consumed with telling everybody else how to live their own lives. They don't have any sense of accountability. All they want is the power to say, this is the way life should be lived. I'm going to make the rule. Now you have to follow the rule. The problem with Republicans is they're so busy trying to argue and say, you shouldn't have rules. I want to do whatever the fuck I want, that they don't give a shit about anybody except themselves. Yep. Both parties, and if you identify as any political party strongly, your problem is that you're so consumed arguing with somebody else who believes different things than you, you don't give a shit about impact. You don't give a shit about what you what you actually output in your life. And don't give me the bullshit about the virtue signaling about, oh, well, I stand for this, or like my posts are creating impact. I'm changing people's minds. I changed that person from a Republican to a Democrat or vice versa. I don't care. You just turn one person who's arguing blindly for one cause into a person who's arguing blindly for a different cause. None of you are making any sense of reasonable impact on the world, and you need to change your focus to make a positive impact and to find happiness because it's not found in this incredibly polarized perspective of the world. It's just not. Yeah, and it goes back to, are you focused on the external or are you focused on the internal, right? If you're focused on the internal, you don't have time really to engage in a lot of this stuff, right? As I found myself, you know, I grew up very politically active, right? Like as a kid, it was something I was fascinated by. Model United Nations, summer programs, I did it all, right? And there was a phase there from probably 15 to 25 probably where i was consumed by this stuff right and and not necessarily democrat or republican just consumed by being engaged with political discourse being engaged in issues like israel and palestine iraq and the u.s and and as i got older or cuba and the u.s i was on cuba's side more than most people just just for the record Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but it's it's it gets to the point where you realize that you're just spending a lot of time exerting energy on things that like you said you don't have the ability to change the thing that you can control in life is how you treat the people in your environment how you how you behave toward people that hold different opinions from you and how you just function in your own life. What are you doing to make sure you're making an impact? 
And if you are making an impact, you should not be spending your time talking about the impact that you're making or the impact that someone else isn't making. Yeah. End of the day, you realize in America, there are a lot of reasons that a lot of people are angry and upset. Politics is a great way to manipulate people who are angry and upset to engage and absorb an agenda that gets a few people into positions of power by which they can enrich themselves and help themselves. Again, they're thinking internally. What can this do for me? They are engaging with society because the society is a means to an end. This thought that politicians and the government is really out here to help individuals. If that was the case, we wouldn't have the problems that we have in the country. A lot of these problems, if they were actually tackled properly by our government, we wouldn't have them. Yeah, know? and to add to that, most of the problems you have are problems you can solve. There's very few problems that you need outside help to solve, right? Yep. There's lifestyle changes you can make to become happier and healthier. There's so many resources now that we have the internet to get the kind of education you need, right? I'm not saying that it's fair for everybody in this country. I'm just saying that we have opportunity in today's day and age to even the playing field in terms of the resources that we have to be able to grow. I don't have to go Harvard and go to Harvard to be smarter than people that go to Harvard. I'm smarter than a lot of people that go to Harvard, went to Harvard, et cetera. And it's not because of any formal education that I've had. It's because of experience, wherewithal, and resilience. That's what this world takes. It has nothing to do with how much book smarts you can cram into your brain or how many degrees you can stack on you. Those are just tools we use to manipulate society and find ways to prove that we're better than other people so that they'll follow us. Like that's that's the game is it's social status and it's the dynamics of social status to be able to influence the world to move in certain directions. But we all as individuals in this world do have a voice and that voice can be meaningful, especially when it comes from a place that's of, of really clarity in terms of what you're looking for in the world. When you find a sense of clarity in terms of what you want, it will show up in your life so quickly just because when you speak to people, they know how they can help you. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's happening too is I've learned so much more from people that don't hold the same view views as I do than I have from people. Why would you want to just speak to, to an echo chamber? I, I understand that that's a big thing and that drives a lot of people. They want that reaffirmation of their beliefs. But what I'm saying is that it's not productive. That is yeah. not a productive way to grow, right? And I hear this all the time from both Republicans and Democrats now, right? It's not Republican or Democrat anymore. It's, oh, he's a Trump supporter or, oh, he's a, he's a liberal. He's, yeah. he's an extreme liberal, right? And it's like, those aren't the only two groups of people, right? Yeah. There are many Republicans who do not like Donald Trump, you know? Yeah, and there are many liberals that do not like Joe Biden, you know what I mean? But those liberals that you are condemning, they are spending their time being productive members of society and not sitting on Twitter and engaging in conversations with people who are angry and upset about things that don't 
really matter. Yeah. Yeah, so you have two options in life. You can argue or you can build. Yeah. That's it, right? Arguments keep you exactly where you're at. Conversation, debate, whatever you want to position it as. I, I know so many people who tell me about how what they do matters, what all their arguments, all their conversations matter, their political views matter because of whatever reason, their vote, they got this person, they were involved in this election. Yeah. Great. You put one more person in a seat of power, but are, are your views being heard? Are any of your ideas being heard? Or did you just spend a bunch of time learning somebody else's views and then finding the best ways to argue that with somebody else. Like that's debate class in school. Like I hate yep. to break it to you, but if you don't have any unique views of the world, that's where you should start. Read some books, do some reflection, do some writing, like understand how the world works or at least build some idea of how the world works and create a direction you want to drive it, have a view on that. But don't just parrot everybody else's views back and forth. Like I'm sick of hearing people argue Ben Shapiro's talking points to me. I've heard it. I've seen yeah. the videos. I don't need to hear it from your mouth. I want to hear what you think. Yep. And there's that's it comes back to are are you going to be the leader of your own life or are you just going to follow? Like it's a cult, right? Yeah. Like do you want to think like everybody else in this world does or do you want to have some individuality? Do you want to learn your own perspectives? Do you want to develop thoughts? that do not come from watching MSNBC or Fox news. Cause I think it's also we're in the shortcut society, right? Like nobody wants to do the work of un actually understanding the American government, the different branches, how they work. The number of people who argue about this stuff that do not even have a base level understanding of our government just tells you, that these opinions don't matter. A lot of this does not matter, right? Yeah. Like just understand the procedure and how things work. And if you really understand how our system works and how super PACs work and how lobbying works, then you really realize that you don't have a whole hell of a lot of power. But if you do want to have power to change politics, you better get involved in those layers of it, right? So... You can complain about the lobbyists, you can complain about the super PACs, or you can say, hey, how do I create a lane where I can exert the same type of influence that these groups who actually are exerting influence and getting their agendas across are doing, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not like, I don't want to just say that government is a complete waste of time, right? It isn't. There, there are important things that we need government for. We need roads. We need infrastructure. We need we need society to be organized in certain ways, right? We need to have international business negotiations. We need to have those things. We need to have monetary policy. We need to have some of these things. So our argument against politics is not an argument it's against government. And I think it's important for us to make that clear yeah. as well. It's just that the way that the landscape is now in the internet age, what you're engaging with, you're really, really doing more harm to yourself. We haven't even gotten into the mental health aspect of this, right? Like yeah. how engaging in this stuff and, and, and polarization can affect and impact your mental health. The data is here. The studies are here, right? And you know from yourself, right? Like 
one in five people are no longer friends with friends that they've had for years because of their views on politics. You know, it's like engage for me. I'm always curious. I've sat down and I've talked to stone cold racists and I've learned from them, right? Sometimes it's somewhat disarming for them to see someone actually come up to them and have a conversation with them, right? Because that's a much better way to poke a hole in someone's view on you than being in conflict with them, right? It's like, okay, well, met this guy. He's pretty cool. I met another brown guy. He's pretty cool. Why am I so racist? That's what you want to get them to, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, dude, that's the truth of the matter, right? At the end of the day, it's conversation and the ability to communicate trumps everything. And arguments are not communication. Yep. They're not. They're not. And as angry as everyone wants to be with Donald Trump, he's not your problem. You are your problem. Yeah. You know, he, yes, he encourages a group and population of racists in America. He encouraged, he won the election by understanding how deep-seated racism is in this country and proliferating it to get votes. But he doesn't really care about any of this stuff. He just says what he thinks is going to get him the votes. And that's the same thing that Ted Cruz does. That's the same thing that AAC does, is they are catering to a base of voters that they know will support them based on certain things that they say, right? They do not hold, most politicians do not have any personal opinions. They don't. They just go based on opinion polls and and where the needle is going. So the level of which we get angry at these individuals too, I think is absurd. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point because they are supposed to be representatives of the people, right? So Mm -hmm. a politician without an opinion is actually ideal because they listen to their constituents and then they reflect that perspective. That is something we also vilify because we're like, well, you you should stand for something. No, they shouldn't. If a politician stands for something and they have strong views, that probably makes them unmalleable and probably bad at their actual job, which is finding compromise and finding ways to move the country forward. That's exactly where the issue lies now. We're just dealing with we're dealing with a country in which every four years or every eight years we see a rapid turn from Republican to Democrat. And if you really understand how much money is spent repealing and reinstalling, like this is the difference between us. When people say, why is China getting ahead of the U.S., right? Is China has, I'm not arguing for the, the type of government, but there is a stability there in which they can create an agenda for 20 30, 40, they have a hundred year economic plan in China. And as you've seen the results over the last few years, and you've seen our economy decline and their economy rise, part of it is, are these issues is because our politicians do not work together for a greater good. They're just thinking about the next election. And if, if a president that's a Democrat does well, then the Republicans can't win the next election. And that is something that's a recent phenomenon. If you look at that data, for example, in terms of in 1958, 33% of Democratic parents really were so stringent on, oh, we need to have our kids marry a Democrat. 2016, that's 65%. Republicans, 25%, up to 63%. 
So that is something that is happening more recently where our politicians are just do not work together at all. And that's really having a very negative impact on our country. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as, as, you know, identifying by race, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's just a label that we put on ourselves. But at the end of the day, whether a label is self-selected or you're born into it, you're still making your decisions based on someone's label, not who they are. Yep. Yep. And it's, you know, it's entertainment in the sense that I think there is a culture we have, you know, I don't know if it's social media driven, internet driven, TV driven, all of the above driven, that conflict is somehow fun and cool. (laughs) I just, you know, it's fun to argue with people. It's fun to be mad at people. And it's like, that is kind of the deep rooted problem that we have is that everyone's angry and mad at someone else versus working together to find solutions. Right. Like straight up. So, you know, if you're seeing all the noise, whenever the next trend of social media waves that we're going to post about happens, just remember that everyone who's putting energy on that is not building something at the current moment. And you have an opportunity whenever one of those moments passes to get ahead. Yes. These are big windows that happen, people. Like all of last year in COVID, I was building a business. I was not arguing politics with people. I had one conversation about politics and that friend stopped spending time with me. Yeah. One, right? So I stopped. I just kept moving. It's it's not worth your time. <laughs> it's yeah. not. You know, and it is meant to distract you. Yeah. So that is the hack. The hack is to not fall into these type of distractions. Politics is a distraction. How you engage with the internet, too. People just want to blame the internet for things. But if you engage with it properly, and you're seeing this, the number of people who are learning skill, learning trades, learning how to invest in the stock market, learning how to invest in cryptocurrency, it's all about how you engage with the internet. If, yep. you're, sp- if you're spending your time never doing anything valuable, not reading, not doing any of these things that still, no matter what happens with society, if you spend time reading things in depth, learning things in depth, and not just going at the surface level, you will get ahead in this world. It's guaranteed because most people aren't doing that. I want to bring up this. um, It's from a TED talk that I actually was watching yesterday uh, done by a monk, actually about um the five hindrances on the path to happiness so there his his view uh, i can't remember the culture he comes from but his view is that there are five common things that you struggle with on the journey from like going from like a person who is just starting to go down the personal growth journey and and self-mastery journey uh to somebody who starts to reach that place Mm-hmm. And he gave this um, this analogy of a mountain. And there's a guy who's who's going to the mountain and he looks up at the top. He's like, wow, I want to climb this. And it just so happens he sees someone coming down. So he asked this guy, hey, you know, how was that? Like, how did you go up and what was the view like? And he hears like, oh, you know, I had to climb this. I had to jump this canyon. I had to climb up this rock wall. I had to camp here for the night then i did this then i did that and the view was unbelievable and he's he's like wow like that's amazing but you know 
sounds a little tiring. Let me see if there's a better way up. So he walks around the mountain, meets another traveler, and he asks the traveler the same question. Here's about his path to the top of the mountain. And here's a slightly different take on the view. You know, I was, I was facing that way, so I saw, you know, the mountains over there, right? The other mountain range. Like, okay, well, that path sounded hard too. F- continues, talks to 10, 20 more travelers around the mountain, comes mm-hmm. back to where he started. It's like, okay, I've heard enough perspectives. I feel like I've already seen what's up there. I don't need to climb it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a mistake. That's what happens when you spend all of your time talking to people and not enough time doing things. Yes. At the end of the day, every single person needs to climb the mountain for themselves. Yes. And that only comes from action. And it's going to be hard. There will be challenges you don't think you can surmount. And you may need to try them a different angle or a different way or maybe try a different path. But your path is your own and nobody else's. And the five desires that he broke down that are the five hindrances that are, that are going to get in your way are one sensual desire which is essentially like everything you touch taste feel smell hear anything that's from the senses that keeps you trapped so that could be the delicious food this guy was eating before he climbed the mountain and you know all of the stuff around him whatever that's that's that the next phase is that you get ill will or aversion to this so you're like man like this this sucks like i don't want to do this this is really rough you get past that it's like a dullness or a heaviness. It's just like fatigue. It's like, wow, this shit is hard. I'm exhausted. I want to turn back. This is over the period of years, by the way. The next is restlessness. So you get to this point where you're like, okay, I've gotten past that dull phase. Now I want to get there. I'm anxious. I can't stop moving. I can't chill out long enough to think through things thoroughly. I'm very restless because I feel like I've been in the same place for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then the final hindrance is skeptical doubt. That's the over-rationalization or over-intellectualization of what you're going through, which is yeah. simply you are climbing a mountain. You are walking forward, taking one step forward every day. Once you start to over-intellectualize that, which we do with politics, which we do with life in general and success, it's all of a sudden far more complicated and we don't end up achieving it. So you know, the moral of the story is The only way to find happiness, personal mastery, the thing that you're after in life, the thing that fills you from the inside out, that feeling is only found by taking the journey yourself and not worrying about what everyone else is doing, not worrying about who's saying what or who believes what, but take your journey, take your path, and don't worry about anything else because you will get there if you take your path and just continue moving forward. Yep, and and that's that's a great um great clip there partha and one thing i'll add to that is if one of your fears is the loneliness of the journey yes you it is meant to be lonely up to a point right but once you get to a point of mastery once you understand your journey you will be surprised at how many of the right people come into your life because it's only the people at the top of the mountain it's only the people who've made it to the top right and that is that is the reward if, if your fear is like, man, I want to be an individual, but it's really, really hard. I want I want to be accepted because that's what we're trying to do is to be accepted, right? And it's like you will be accepted if you understand what makes you different, like you said, by the people at the top of the mountain and by the tip people you will not be spending your time arguing with, 
<laughs> about things like politics. Yep. Absolutely, man. This has been, you know, this has been a really enjoyable conversation. Started off in our news and notes with our discourse on mass and ended with, you know, the real moral of this podcast, which is uh, the combination of our two philosophies, the lasso and the pilot boys, which is the stay moving and be you, right? Like, yep. if you follow those two rules, if you stay authentic to yourself and you just continue to make progress every day and don't worry about what's going on around you, your your potential in life, earning potential, you know, life potential, happiness potential, family potential is truly infinite. It's completely up to your choosing. And that sounds hokey and spiritual when I say it, but when you when you get to the 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 other side, you'll understand what I mean by that. Yeah. You have the full power to do whatever you want in life. Yes. Yes. Well said, brother. Well said. So on that note, I guess this is episode 86. Pilot Boys, we out here. We're out here, man. We're out here. We're getting close to closer to your birth year, brother. Yes. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, on that note, stay moving. Be you. You was fly. Pilot Boys, out. Pilot Boys, we get on now. Pilot boys, we get on